You are listening to Moving On With Pain, the podcast. This podcast is presented by the Danish Society for Pain and Physiotherapy. This episode is created with and for the European Pain Federation, EFIC. If you'd like to watch the following content in video format, you can visit the EFIC Facebook page and head to videos. We hope you enjoy today's episode. My name is Morten Hoot. I'm a clinical scientist from Denmark and I'm the vice chair of the Pain Education Committee at EFIC. And we're here at the European Pain Congress. I'm here with Professor Lula Dyachenko, who is a Russian-born Canadian scientist. And we're going to talk about genetics and pain. But before we do that, so you are a medical doctor by background, right? Right. And you did your PhD back in 1993 in molecular biology. Right. And so I think I know what biology means, but what, what does molecular mean? Well, molecular means is every, all biology, which is kind of sizing down to molecules. And there are different levels of biology. There, is, there are, you know, social sciences. Yeah. There is uh, diseases at the systemic level. Yeah. What, could a, what would a name of a systemic level be? A systemic level uh, would be... Uh, for example, um, hypertension. So uh, could it be pathophysiology of uh, rheumatoid arthritis, for right, instance? Right, like yeah. rheumatoid arthritis. Yeah. yeah. So it's a systemic disease. Yeah. Means it's manifest in different system of the body. Yeah. And involved different organs, but also a different system response. I don't know cardiovascular and yeah. uh, nociception and pain. Yeah. Right. And then you can also ask questions, but what actually, like if you will uh, make it more magnification, yeah, and so even deeper, even deeper yeah. and say, oh, but uh, uh, what proteins uh, was particip- were participating in the events which and lead to disease? What is a protein? What is a protein? Uh, so I think I, for many people, when you say protein, they think of meat. <laughs> is that is that the it's proteins a, we're talking about? No, it's it's a molecule uh, from which the meat is built. Yeah, so it's sort of the building blocks. It's a building blocks, and right? That, that gives us the entrance into talking about genetics, doesn't it? Because right. the protein. Because then the protein is coded by the DNA, yeah. and the DNA is actually another molecule. Uh, which keep all the information about these building blocks. Yeah, so I think people realize that. So the DNA is sort of the helix that right. twists. That one, yes. And then, then the idea is that it can sort of open up. Yes. And then it can be decoded right. and read. Yes. And so these strings is what we call genes, right? The, the genes is this place on the DNA yeah. where this information is coded. Yeah. So when the helix open up, it's uh, decoded to the RNA, it's another molecule, yeah. and the RNA already decoded to the proteins. Yeah. So the information which is coded in the DNA is something solid which we born with, yeah. never change. And, and is it true that there's different types? So there's two types. To begin with, we understood only a bit of the genes, and then it turns out that there's, there's more to it. It's always more to it. And... 
the way I understood it is, it's almost like a recipe. So on one side you have the ingredients, and mm -hmm. on the other side you have how to do it, how to cook something. It's, it's a good way to, to think about this, right? The yeah. DNA is the cookbook, yeah. and the RNA is how to. It's it's actually uh, cooking itself. Yeah. Yeah, because the gene can't be open or closed. So yeah, it's always there, but it may never be uh, expressed. Right. Yeah. Never be. Um, show up, yeah, right? Yeah. Uh, and um, the RNA is our reaction of our body to environmental events, to what's happened to us. And then the protein in this analogy would be the food, right? Uh, yes. The so the product of right. what we do. Correct. Okay, so so when you study molecular biology or genetics, right. you have the, the, the genome mm -hmm. and you have the genes right. that can be decoded or read right. and you can then have The proteins. proteins, right? And we all do that all the time, don't we? Yes. And yes. how does that relate to pain? Well, this is a, this is a very important question uh, because it, there, there is a several level. On the one hand, we cannot even exist without protein being expressed. Like our body will be not existing. So, just like our existence depends on this expression of DNA. Yeah. The question, though, is. Once the body has been built from the protein, is it something in our genome is coded uh, in a way which predispose us big time or small time to develop chronic pain? So in the recipe, could something be wrong there? Correct. Could it also be the, the process? Could it be the messenger RNA? It could be the messenger RNA or it can be something coded in DNA which is not properly adjusted for the RNA to express yeah. in response to particular event. So it sounds very simple with just three processes, but in reality it's much more complex, isn't it? Yeah, I think it sounds very complicated already. Yeah. <laughs> but, but yes, so I, I'm curious, if, so as a researcher, okay. you've, the way I understand, you've, you've been doing research since you graduated, basically. So right. you've done so much research. So I know you've done tons of models. But if, if you were to explain to me, how do, you, how do you do research on DNA? I mean, it's not something you can see with the naked eye. No. So how do you do it? What, could you explain to me just one of the many models? How, how can you do it? Well, you, you know, if we're talking about a genomic, which is a usually related genomic, genomic related to DNA and to the building blocks of the DNA itself, which is mostly the same uh, between people, but there are tiny differences. And they in, are called? Uh, by nucleotides. Yeah. So this is the, the blocks. And the differences would be called SNPs or is that what Well, the, the, the SNPs are exactly this position in DNA when some people have a nucleotide which is different from the majority of the population. Yeah. So 99, so you ask me how you measure this. Well, you measure this with technique when you read the sequence of um, this reading block, which is just so you four take a, of you them. So you take a piece of, of cell? You take a piece of cell or, or blood yeah. and any, any tissue yeah. and you purify this DNA. You yeah. can isolate it. Yeah. By a machine? How do you By do it? chemicals. I think right now machines would usually use, but when I was a graduate student, no, we just will take it and shake it and pipette it. And then yeah. you come up with this DNA. Yeah. And then when you have this molecule DNA, you can read it. It means you can see what is the sequence 
of this nucleotide so, and how it's related to general population. So it's, it's like a white piece of paper, isn't it? And then there's lots of lines on it. And right. some are thick and some are thin. And then is that is that how it is? Or, or is it zeros and ones? Or how, it's more zeros it? and ones yeah? because a sickness and a six, uh, to be seen or to be sick, it's another level of called methylation, which is already kind of how... It, how DNA is prepared to be read. Yeah. But before this, the sequence itself to be read. And this one we just uh, read, we like kind of identify one nucleotide after another yeah. and see how it's similar to the rest of the population. And in fact, it's very similar. 99.9% of our nucleotide is exactly identical between all of us. That's amazing, isn't it? So, yes, it's, it's a very Because we don't really look the same, do we? Well, this is interesting. Like, I actually thought a lot about this. Like, maybe we do look the same, but there's tiny, tiny differences yeah. in our eyes, you know, magnified to, yeah. to all this. Yeah, because we all adapt to survive. Yeah. And uh, there is tiny, tiny differences uh, which make us different. Yeah. So even like facial, for example, features. Right? Yeah. And, and so, so with that sort of encapsulated, this is how you would do it. Um, right. Then... You you just gave a plenary talk about right. genetics and pain, right? And so you gave this here at the congress uh, to three thousand five hundred people. Yes. And congratulations, that's Thank a great you. honor. Um, what did you tell them? Well, I was uh, I was trying to present. Uh, first of all, I mean, it's only thirty minutes talk. It's it's difficult to present everything which. Uh, was important, but I thought it was important to first of all present the history of what so far uh, we learn from genetics and how genetic has been used for developing drugs. Yeah. So when you say developing drugs, so the idea is, so what you're doing, your work, would ideally come out with something that a drug can either change or facilitate. Right. Or inhibit. So either turn it up, turn it down, or right. simply change it. Is that correct? Right. So the outcome of your work would be medicine. Well, I'm a, as a medical doctor, I guess, and as all of us here, we're interested in the, in the end to understand yeah. uh, chronic pain, but also to modulate it yeah. and maybe prevent it. And but to do all this, we first need to understand. So understanding is the first uh, block. And I think there's a lot of people who don't realize that medicine actually works very specific, doesn't it? Yes. So it, it's, not, it's not all over the place. No. Sometimes we know how it works, but of course, sometimes we don't, or we don't know everything how it does. But the way medicine works is also the way it gives side effects, isn't it? Yes. And unlike something, uh, so I'm a physio by back, physiotherapist by background, so I would use exercise and communication with my patients. Right. And these are also useful with patients, right. but we don't know what they do on a molecular level. So that's the difference, isn't it? When you study something at molecular level, it, it sort of has to come out as a medicine because we don't necessarily know what's going on. Right. Would you agree? I do. I do. And I think you, you give a very good example. We know that exercise are greatly helpful for people with chronic pain. But we don't know why. No. We have actually very little idea why it's working. There's only a few working. groups actually looking into right. the, the molecular uh, effects of exercise. Right. Yeah. So we, we kind of also we didn't mention the cellular level, so like how cells maybe interact with each other and help each other to develop, uh, to resolve pain. 
what, what's happening again on DNA level, why people are more likely to exercise, why some people will benefit from exercise, and who actually people who should not be exercising, right? Because they have something else. And, and do you think that exercise could also have an influence on the DNA? Oh, exercise, ex, ex, um, can exercise have an influence on DNA in some way? So the, nothing can, um, you know, generally have influence on the sequence of nucleotides uh, because we're born with this. But exercise have a huge difference on this the second level of gene expression. So exercise have a huge difference, and we see this on how these genes express. Yeah, how often and perhaps? How, how often? Much? How much? And the exercise affects so-called methylation of DNA. Yeah. So this methyl group, which now control e- 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 efficacy of transcription. And which what, what we need to, you know, cool down in terms of activity and what we need to enhance in terms of activity. Yeah. Yes. So I, I know I'm wildly extrapolating here, but when you do exercise, right. you, you might be doing something that will make your body regulate itself better. Would that be safe to say? Yes, yeah. definitely. And, yes. and we could read that out on a genetic level. Right. Yeah. And we can uh, we can kind of kill two birds with the genetic here because we can see how exercise actually change expression. But we also, because we see this, how it's changed and how people be- become better, now we actually can come down to the pathophysiology of chronic pain because what should happen on the molecular level to, to make people feel better uh independent on exercise. Yeah. And maybe there are different ways to do the same as exercise doing, but maybe by you know using drugs. Yeah. But uh so we could also kind of target the same pathway, meaning can can we do something to body yeah. to uh, react now in the healing way. Yeah. Not in the hurtful way. Yeah, yeah. So make medicine better would yes. be one one outcome. New understand uh, and what 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 do you think about that can we do that oh it's it's happening yeah yeah it's happening i mean it's always will be something unclear but it's definitely become more and more clear so coming back uh, for a second to your question kind of what exercise versus uh, genetic like i said we can start from exercise and understand how exercise work on the molecular level to to make feel people better but we also can start from Uh, the uh, molecular level and say, okay, what are the differences in DNA between people who have pain and people who don't have pain? And then kind of combine it with the knowledge of reaction to exercise, understand, right? So where do they meet? And what is this common block which explains why people predispose to pain and how exercise helps people who predispose to not predispose? And so you've been doing this for quite some time. And, And if you were to say one thing that mm-hmm. yeah, you've done in this field that is relevant for patients or people living with chronic pain, what, what, do you, what would that be? So, uh, so something which is, uh, we did for a long time and already passed many replications, so something I'm sure about uh, is that our translational clock on, on two genes, so one is the CMT, which is catecholomethyltransferase, which is enzyme uh, control level of catecholamines. Yeah, and catecholamines would be like... Dopamine, uh, epinephrine, or adrenaline, yeah. noradrenaline. Yeah. So, so these are signaling molecules right. that 
we we think has a, a big influence on how you feel and how you act and how your body works right. on a and, daily and basis. It's, it's very easy to detect, for example, for adrenaline, if you see a bear, yeah. so you can be sure that your adrenaline uh, kicks in yeah. and then you see which systemic effect is. Your heart is yeah. is beating, right? Your blood pressure is increased. Your sensitivity to stimulus dropping. Uh, your sweat glands and, is and, shrinking. And what you've shown is that there's a difference in these comms or... Right. There is a huge difference in the activity between people and it's coded by genetic variants. And some people have a lot of it. Yeah. And some people have very little of it. Yeah. So which happened then, people who have a lot of it and you saw the bear... Within the second, yeah, they don't have adrenaline anymore. Yeah. And people who have very little of it, the adrenaline will persist in the body for for long, yeah. long, long time, created the um, long uh, stress in the, in the body. Yeah. Yeah, Fantastic. and, and it's, it's you know leading to chronic pain. Yes. And did you also um, did you talk something about? Uh, some people, so some people could be more pro- prone to have chronic pain, right? Right. Could some people also be less prone? Yes, some some uh, people has a genetic variant which is protective for chronic pain, but you know, the caveat is very often people think of genetic of something embedded and must happen, but when we're talking about just a variant which is common in population, so it's not all or nothing. It's exactly, more degree. it's more degree. So. It's, it's just the level of response. Yeah. So that's why I don't think when people say, oh, it's genetic, that's it. No, it's not, that's it. It's just a little bit you more prone than yeah. other. Maybe you need to be guarding a little yeah. bit more. But you always can do something for your body to, to um, neutralize this effect of yeah. your genetic variant. So it's almost like if you have a cut in your skin, some heal quicker and some heal slower. It's not that yes. some don't heal and some right. always don't Yeah, and then there are some people who are mutants, yeah. but they're very, very rare. Yeah. A majority yeah. of the people will heal. A majority of the people feel pain, noxious, painful stimulus. What we also show, you know, a long time ago is there is a huge variability yeah. in the population for people to feel pain. Yeah, and they're, they're both ends. So we have the normal, yes. and then there are some who are more protected, and there are those who can't feel pain. Yes. And then we have those who are more uh, at risk of right. having pain, and there will then, be some who have pain all the time. All the time, right. And and the interesting thing is that they have different genetics, don't they? Right. So it goes from a spectrum of normality to a variance, and then right. into mutation of the genetic code. Right. Is, is yes, that how, yeah? right. And, you know, we cannot evolve as a population to not feel in pain. In fact, there are very few families who cannot feel pain yeah. uh, because these kids die in the infancy because they're not guarding. Yeah. So those who actually not feeling a painful stimulus, they are in disadvantage because you constantly need to, f- to kind of listen to your body yeah. and listen to yourself. Yeah, right? yeah. so it's, it's a tremendous area do you do you think we're gonna cure chronic pain by studying genetics um i think we will be better and better like with cancer did we cure cancer we're much much better right now with the cancer yeah. than we was before i think this is where what will happen yeah. yeah what do you think will happen in the next 10 years in the next 10 years uh, we will understand uh, much better pathophysiology of chronic pain and it always will be something else to understand but 
I, I, I think we're there to understand right now major blocks. Uh, and we will use this knowledge to develop new drug and also understand a different uh, way how different people develop chronic pain and do it in a more personalized way. But yeah, I don't so think personalized will be like for each SNP we will have a drug, but it will be that we will better understand kind of what molecular target is better for this person. Yeah, so different medicines for different types of people might right. be in the future. Right. Yeah. Thank you very much for your time. It's been It's, really interesting. Yeah, it was a pleasure. Thank you. Thank you.